Welcome to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. And I'm Mrs. Frazzled. Every week we explore the teacher exodus to find out what, if anything, could get these educators back in the classroom. We've all had our moments where we thought, what the hell am I doing here? From burnout to bureaucracy to soul-sucking stressors and creative dead ends. From recognizing when it was time to go to navigating feelings of guilt and regret afterwards, we're here to cut out the gaslighting and get real about what it means to leave teaching. We've got insights from former teachers from all over the country who have seen it all. So get ready to be disturbed. Join us on Teacher Quit talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay? Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Дамы и господа, добро пожаловать в Prevail. Это второй сезон нашей борьбы с криминальными сволочами. Ваш ведущий Грег Олян. I'm Greg Oliar, and this is Prevail. Welcome to the program. We've got a great show. The photojournalist and eyewitness to the besieging of the Capitol on January 6th, Sandy Bacon, returns to the show. Great conversation. She's got a lot to say. We're going to get to it in a minute. A couple of points I want to hit up front. First of all, as I'm recording this, it is raining. I'm leaving the window open because maybe you can hear it. It's really, uh, I woke up, I don't know, the cat woke me up at like five o'clock or some horrible hour and uh, the sky was like yellow. And I thought, oh, maybe the sun is going to come up and it's dawn and I can go for a walk. But instead, I was treated to this very intense, violent storm. There was a bolt of lightning that was very, very close. You know, when they, they're like, oh, count between when you see the light and, and when you hear it. And then you know how far away it is. Uh, this one was like almost the same time. So fortunately, that's moved on. But I don't know. I feel like it's kind of a rainy day morning with, with what we're going to talk about here. It's sort of symbolic, right? So I'm going to leave the window open. Maybe you can hear kind of the rain in the background. You know, a little ambience for you. Uh, it is Thursday morning. It's 7.13 a.m. as I'm recording this. There is another hearing scheduled for today, which obviously I'm not going to talk about on the podcast. So when you're listening to this on Friday, please know that I have not yet heard whatever they're going to talk about on Thursday. The interview with Sandy was recorded on Sunday, which was also before the second hearing and before the release of that 1776 returns. What a ridiculous title. Just people are so stupid. So artless, as my friend LB says. 1776 returns. Okay. Okay, proud boy. Interestingly, in this conversation that I have with Sandy, kind of about an hour in, she talks about recording Enrico Tario in Washington around the Washington Monument on December 12th. 
and him sort of saying nonchalantly to some, you know, one of the Proud Boys, he sort of gestured to the Capitol and said, yeah, 50 guys. And since the time that we recorded this, they released the 1776 returns. And in it, sure enough, there's a need for manpower. And they say they need at least 50 patriots to hold a building. That's the number of people they thought they were going to need to hold these buildings that they were planning to occupy and what appears to be a previous iteration of, you know, the plot. Just, I can't believe we're at this point, right, in the country. Like, we're just talking about this stuff. This is, I, I, I feel like we constantly have to pull back and just think about what happened. I'm really glad that they're using the word coup, C-O-U-P, but like, I don't know, it's a French word and I think it's, it's, it's soft. It doesn't really convey what it is. Coup d'etat means an overthrow of the fucking government, usually a violent overthrow of the government. And that's what these people were up to. And we can't ever lose sight of that, even though it's, it's just it's confounding to even think about it, that we would ever be in this position. And I, it's really just, I mean, I've been at this a long time. This, the, 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 the insurrection was almost a year and a half ago, and it's still, it's just, it just boggles the mind that this is happening in the United States boggles the mind okay a couple things up front there was news about lauren bobert this week that allegedly she was an escort and that's how she met ted cruz i think this is this is amusing there was a lot of of uh a lot of people on twitter had fun with it but to me what does it matter like we already know she'll do and say anything for money, fame, and power, right? We, we know this. We've watched her behave for the last however long she's been in Congress. Has it only been two years? She's only been there for two years. My God, what a long two years. Anyway, we already know this about her. So, you know, I, I don't feel like we need to denigrate sex workers to, to know something that's already, you know, blatantly obvious. Yeah, you know, I, I don't care what she did. She did not have the easiest upbringing. That doesn't justify or excuse what she's become but you know when, when you're 17 years old and you're at the bowling alley with your boyfriend who's seven years older than you and he's whipping it out to show off other girls that you know the tattoo on his dick unsolicited um and then you marry the guy i i don't know it's 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 bad her story is really ugly and it makes me sad more than anything else so i don't know i i just hope that she kind of doesn't get reelected and we never have to hear from her again, but sad person. Loudermilk, this guy, Barry Loudermilk. I mean, this, the name, the name Loudermilk, like you couldn't write this. LB and I have a, a running joke that, that this is all a simulation and sometimes there's, you know, there's parts of the simulation and the fact that this guy we've never heard of before is named Barry Loudermilk. I, I don't know. This is the guy, apparently, who's given the tours or authorizing the tours of various staircases and entrances and then, you know, pretends that he didn't do that, which is comical. But, you know, buddy, until you're under oath, nothing that you say matters. Of course, he's going to lie. He's a fucking liar. And he's expecting that people are going to cover for him because, you know, it's Trump and all these guys. But louder milk ain't high up enough on the food chain to enjoy the protection. Who is high up enough on the food chain to enjoy the protection is Virginia Lamp Thomas, Ginny Thomas, Mrs. Clarence Thomas, who was communicating with that fuckhead John Eastman about, you know, overthrowing the election. And I wrote this past week in my Avengers piece that, 
you know, because this, the Republicans in Congress value those six seats on the Supreme Court above all else. I mean, look at all this crazy shit that they're doing. There was a report out this week that said that they're they're going to like overturn the ruling on the Miranda rights so that the cops don't have to like read you your rights when they arrest you. That's fascist bullshit, man. And then this thing with the border patrol can now just anywhere that's remotely near the border, they could just, you know, grab you and lock you up for no reason and not have to tell you why. This is scary ass fascist shit. It's being abetted by the Supreme Court. That's just they talk about like, what's the word they use where the, the court is being an activist court. This is an activist court. It's a fascist activist court. And it is undoing lots of democratic norms while we sleep. It's repulsive. And this Ginny Thomas is basically the, the prime mover of this bullshit. I mean, she believes that the election was stolen. Fucking crazy lunatic. And she's communicating with this asshole shitheel John Eastman who, you know, he's Trump's lawyer this late in the game. So you know right off the bat he's not, you know, all the way there. And he's the asshole that wrote the piece in Newsweek suggesting that Kamala Harris was ineligible to be vice president because she's not an American citizen, allegedly, or whatever his arguments were. And it's like, that's who, that's the legal mind. That's the brilliant legal mind that these guys have. They have Easton, they have Kraken Lady, Sidney Powell, and they have <laughs> Drunk Rudy. I know that was trending, but guys, Drunk Rudy is redundant. <laughs> Really, I mean, this guy is just a joke. That's the guys that we're up against. And thankfully, these people are all buffoons because if any of them were competent, we, you would not be listening to this. I would not be doing this. I'd be in some gulag somewhere. Yeah, it, it, it's, you know, I'm laughing about it, but it's really terrifying. You know, again, back to the, the J6 thing. This was, this was, I've said it many times. January 6th was the worst attack on our democracy since Booth shot Lincoln and when Booth shot Lincoln, the marshals went and got him. They wound up killing him, but they rounded up everybody that helped him. And they had a military tribunal and all of those people were found guilty and hanged. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here, but we have to punish these people like kind of badly. There needs to be severe consequences for the masterminds of this thing. And if there's not, it's just there's no point in continuing almost as a country or as a democracy because it's a joke. You know, again, the word coup, it's a soft word, but it ain't soft. Trying to overthrow the government, the will of the people is a big fucking deal. And you know who knows that? The MAGA people know it because they thought that's what happened. And that's why they went to the fucking rally to begin with. So I think the one thing we can say for sure that most Americans agree on is that elections are important and the people that get elected should serve and the elections should not be stolen and that the will of the people should be heard. That's something that we all agree on other than, you know, a few wingnut fascist assholes. And these people that tried to overthrow the election, knowing damn well that Trump lost, he lost the popular vote. He lost the electoral vote. He fucking lost. He's a loser. And they knew it. And they tried to subvert the will of the people anyway. And it ended up in violence and people died. The people that masterminded this must be held accountable. And I'm not talking about, oh, you're on probation for six months. I mean, life in jail or just exile them. Take their passports away and put them on a boat. 
Never come back. You don't like the country? Goodbye. Go live in Russia. There needs to be a serious, serious consequence for what these people did. Are we going to get that? Who the hell knows? But if we don't, we're really in trouble because it's not... I, I don't really believe in deterrence when it's something like um, homicide or drug dealing or something like this because that, that sort of personality type is going to do those crimes anyway. It's not going to deter. But I think that, you know, having a coup, yeah, I think there are, I think deterrence works with shit like that. I think that if something happens to John Eastman and Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell for participating in this bullshit, other lawyers will look at it and be like, yeah, I'm not going to do this next time. And it's going to be harder for them to find people to play along, which is the fucking point. We want it to be hard. We want to dissuade people from participating in insurrections. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know. I guess we're going to see. All right. I talked way longer than I thought. I wrote three things down on a piece of paper and I said, okay, this will be over in two minutes. It's now, oh my God, it's almost 13 minutes into this. I apologize um, for talking so long. The conversation with Sandy is great. We had a lot of fun, even though we were talking about horrible things. It's always great to talk to her. Please go follow her on the Twitter if you don't already, at Sandy Bacon, S-A-N-D-I-B-A-C-H-O-M. And, you know, she's an independent journalist, uh, photojournalist, and relies on people's support. So if you can, I encourage you to support her work. If you go to her Twitter page, you find her her PayPal account there. You can float her some some support in the form of cash if you are so inclined. All right, that's all I got. We'll be right back with Sandy Bacon. Hi, I'm Lunzio Siccarelli, president of the Bank of the Bada Bing, Jersey's finest financial services firm, here to tell you about our new page on Patreon, or as I like to call it, Byzantrion, or four of our most exotic, exotic dancers, Trinket, Snooky, Natasha, and Babs. Take it away, ladies. Tier one is 50 bucks a month. You get a Bada Bing keychain and free refills of Diet Pepsi. Tier two is 100 bucks a month. For that, you get a complimentary glass of bubbly in the champagne room. Tier three is 1,000 bucks a month, which buys one lap dance in the champagne room. Tier four is five grand a month, which also buys you a lap dance in the champagne room. Only we turn off the secret recording device. Tier five is $10,000 a month. For this, I will go to fancy hotel suite in Eastern European city of your choice and make tinkle on bed. Tier six is $20,000 a month. I pretend to be your girlfriend. You take me to Disney and we sing duet from Beauty and the Beast for to convince the ABC News. We are in true love. Tier seven is $60,000 a month. For $60,000, I will give a four minute speech on the day of your attempted coup. Also, I will escort your large adult son to campaign events. There you have it. All seven tiers of the Bada Bing Patreon page. And now, back to the show. Sandy Bacon, welcome back to the Prevail Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here, not on camera. <laughs> um, your episode, last time you were on, is the most listened to and downloaded podcast of all the ones I've done. So get out. Yeah. Oh my God. This is like, I, I don't it, even, what did we talk about? What was so amazing? 
you t- you gave your entire account of of what happened on January six, including the the two rallies that you covered before, which we'll get yeah. into again today. We'll review. Good. Good. But um, it's the longest podcast I've ever done and the uh, most downloaded. So oh, it's fantastic. basically, you know, it's like my my Star Wars. So this is like the Empire Strikes Back here. We're, we're gonna, <laughs> the prequel. <laughs> yeah, you know, we we like to when something is this popular. It's this is the Godfather too. Maybe is a better a better thing. I'm so happy. Yeah. I really it makes me happy. So on Thursday night, I and uh, some 30 million other uh, American viewers, I think probably that's like a tenth of the population of the of the entire country, um, yeah. watch the hearing. The first episode, yeah. we, we like to think of it as an episode, the pilot episode of the January 6th committee hearings on, you know, what happened on January uh, 6, 2021. You were there. You were on the ground. You were there. there with your camera. You were documented the whole thing. So my first question is: watching the hearings, how do how do you think they did? I thought it was great. You know, I I'm so close to it that um, I it's not going to change any minds. Uh, but 20 million people watched it. So more than maybe that. more than 20. Oh, if you count the streaming, right? And, and the, yeah, yeah. no, it's going to be it's going to be around 30 million when all is said and done, because I think people went yeah, back and yeah. rewatched it. People didn't see it Thursday and, and then they'll watch it. Yeah, I think the numbers are pretty high. You know, the, the uh, I thought it was great. I thought that the you know, the testimony by the uh, police officer was just wrenching. Yeah, uh, my timeline was a little bit off of theirs uh, by a couple of minutes, you know, for the one I've been working with. What I did was after uh, January 6th, I, I was in this weird place. Uh, what happened that day was that I was late because I had press credentials to get into the, um, to Trump's speech, but it was at 6.30 in the morning you had to get in. And when you go to a, a Trump thing, you have to go through Secret Service. And I was afraid I'd get stuck in there, wouldn't be able to get out, but I was just lazy. So I missed everything <laughs> so so i got there about 9 30 and there was like i don't know i don't know was there ever a crowd count that day do you know anything about i don't know i'm really bad with stuff like that. from twenty thousand to a million they say it was a million it was, it was not, not it was, not, was a not a million i think we're you know. i'd say maybe 15 20 000. yeah that sounds about it. which is That's a lot about, of people that was about it a lot of people and um the night before was important because uh there were uh i had gone to to dc uh, another f- uh, photojournalist friend of mine, we, we left New York and we took the Metro line, Metro whatever, uh, to DC uh, in time to see Roger Stone. I want to see Roger Stone speak. I'd never filmed him and I was I'm fascinated by him, that character, how he has managed his whole life to escape. Um, you know, he's like Trump. They, well, they're both yeah. raised by Roy Cohen, right? So mm-hmm. they, they just, they, they don't leave their fingerprints anywhere. I think that's going to change on, you know, since the indictment of uh, the Proud Boys. So uh, I went to the uh, Freedom Plaza and I got there just after Michael Flynn uh, spoke. Now, at all three rallies, everybody that Trump pardoned spoke. Interesting. (laughs) George Papadopoulos was there, uh, uh, Flynn, um, Stone. And Stone comes out and he goes, I have two words for you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they've all, you know, they've all come to Jesus. That's that's how they did. That's one of the reasons they got them all there was the baby Jesus. 
And that was a big element not a lot of people are talking about. But, you know, Trump promised from the very start, I filmed his first press conference when he announced that Pence, when he introduced Pence as his vice president. And remember that nobody knew about Mike Pence, but Manafort was brought onto the campaign. I'm sorry, I'm bouncing around here, but it's okay. It, it's all linked. It's all important, you know. <laughs> Manafort was brought onto the campaign uh, for the um, uh, convention, and just before the convention, and he was in charge of the delegates or something. Yeah, I, I well, well Man Manafort. Just just to interpose, since you brought it up, Paul Manafort yeah. has experience because in 1976, I believe, he handled the Republican National Convention. He 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 brokered the convention oh. that was also a contested convention when Ronald Reagan. Um, Ford wow. managed to stave off an insurgency by Ronald Reagan in 76. And Paul Manafort, a very young Paul Manafort, handled that. Wow. So he was a guy who, even when they tapped him, when they brought him in, that was an angle that the media took because it was a logical move. Hey, this is a guy who's part of the Republican establishment. He has experience yeah. dealing with brokered conventions. Why not get this guy? Mm -hmm. And I think that was as far as it went. Nobody was like, hey, this guy's been in business with Roger Stone for a bunch of years. Hey, this guy spent the last uh, four years in Ukraine with this horrible dictator sucking up to Putin. You know, nobody really was thinking along those lines. And I had seen, I didn't know anything about anything. Back in 2016, I knew nothing about anything. And um, I had seen this documentary about that guy that Manafort worked for. And that that the the, the oligarch or whoever he was, uh, yeah. he, he had he lived in this the most obscenely you know gold bathrooms. Oh, they boosted so place, much money and from they the raided people. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they and they raided it. All the people got went in and stole the gold toilets and stuff. So I had seen that about you know that was the only thing I knew about who Manafort. And then I see that he worked for him. Was that Darapaska? Who was who was? No, the it's guy not Darapaska. The guy is uh, it, it's it's. Oh God! What's his name? I just forgot his name. You, anyway, it's whatever. not Lukashenko. Your it's, listeners will. Yanukovych, I forget something with a Y that's three syllables, and he's yeah, the guy. Well, he was the president like of Ukraine that Manafort was working for. He's basically a thug, a pro-Putin thug that Manafort oh, totally. dressed yeah, up yeah. and tried to present as, as reformist, whatever, and was such a thief. Yeah. Even even by even by the the standards even of, of thief Eastern standards. Europe <laughs> in, in fallen Eastern Bloc countries, this guy was just over the top. And Manafort, and, and what happens with all of these people who get, you know, sucked into the Trump sphere is they're all just fucking greedy bastards. You know, they, they yeah. are, they're, it, their whole thing is the acquisition of stuff. And, yeah. you know, I dig that. I used to be that person, you know, until I lost all my stuff. <laughs> So it really gave me a perspective. But so I'm fascinated by, you know, because I used to be rich and then I lost everything. I mean, not rich, rich, but not Manafort rich, but you know, his, you know, his jack, his peacock jackets. Ostrich. And, you know, just, it ostrich. ostrich. Yeah, yeah. All his rugs that he bought, these Persian rugs. And rugs, right, right. <laughs> there was a rug store in New York that had a sign out front that we wish Paul Manafort would shop here. <laughs> Oh, that's I thought of that because there's actually it's oh, right near the Empire State Building is the little neighborhood in New York City where all the carpet sales all guys the rugs, are. Right? Yeah, all those stores are there. That's for there. That's really funny. Ah, oh, got it. New York always. So I went okay. to the, you know, shut me up because I keep going back when I realize how this is all tied together to, you know, January. So so Manafort was brought on. So Putin could have a war with Ukraine. <laughs> that's basically as we found Trump out. Trump was. Yes, 
Yeah. Right. That was really the, the reason he was brought up. The whole reason Trump was installed and his greed was, you know, uh, fed uh, was so he could do what he's doing now, I, I, I believe. But I first got into this, uh, I had just gotten my press pass, my New York NYPD press official press credentials. So when Trump was running, I could get into, for the first time of all this shooting that I've been doing in New York, I... Um, I can't say that anymore. Yeah, I've been shooting in New York for years. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a video person. Uh, so I started going to uh, these events and I, and I saw that uh, Trump is having a, a press conference where he was introducing Mike Pence, right? So the whole press conference was about the evangelicals. Mm-hmm. And he said, I dominated with the evangelicals. And he's talking about all these guys, you know, the guys that are the sons of all these televangelists. Yeah, yeah. Falwell Jr. and that. that, Falwell. So he starts, you know, name dropping all these guys. And, you know, he says, I'm promising them to get rid of the Johnson Amendment, you know, which is you can't, apparently you can't. um, It was really to shut up black people, apparently. But (laughs) uh, yeah. It was a you can't preach politics from the pulpit, something like that. So there was this big immediately this this um, line between church and state was like starting to blur really bad, right? And and after the after I left, uh, so Pence gets out there and he goes, "I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, and I'm a Republican in that order." I remember that. Yep. Right. And I have got I, I actually made a GIF of that. That isn't going to repeat it over and over again. <laughs> Twitter used to have this thing where you can make <laughs> over and over. So uh, when I left the thing, there were these women out there with these signs for, for Trump. And they told me that Trump was going to change the Constitution and, and make it a Christian nation with the way, you know, the, the founders uh, envisioned this as a Christian nation. So that has been the bedrock of the Republican Party, of the, of the, you know, Christo-fascists that have taken over the, the Republican right. Party. Uh, Trump, who is a heathen, <laughs> you, know, yes. every, you know, I mean, I mean, he's like Caligula, this guy. Yeah. And, you know, friends with Epstein, you know, I was in the Epstein hearings with Epstein for three days. And yeah. if you went into that house, you knew what he was up to. There was yeah. 1,700 pictures they confiscated of naked kids, you know. So uh, anyway, so so uh, that was that really caught my attention. This like bringing in the church, uh, you know, that was kind of. It's interesting, not not to interrupt, but it's interesting that no. the people out front said the thing about like that the founders intended that because the founders did not intend that. The founders exactly opposed yeah. that. They made it so that yeah. that was not the case. So. Right off the bat, they're just fucking wrong. Like historically, well, yes, wrong. but you know, Greg, this is the beginning of what they're now calling the big lie, right? Mm-hmm. This, it started way, you know. Roger Stone came up with "Stop the Steal." It, this is in my documentary. Roger Stone came up with "Stop the Steal" in 2016 in case Trump right. lost. Yeah, he registered the domain. Right? Name, so right? when yeah. he lost, they had it was they were ready to hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. When in 2020 we actually lost. So just like Rudy Giuliani said, you know, just say we won. You know, and that and that's what so that's what he started to con these people and he did it. He put in the, you know, the handmaiden and the drunk in the Supreme Court. And the yeah. Supreme Court is like a joke now. 
I yeah. mean, it was a joke when Clarence, I was a producer at BBDO's huge ad, ad agency when Tom, during the Thomas hearings and, you know, it, Long Dong Silver and, you know, how he, how they got away with it. They've always been getting away with it. And that's what fascinates me. So anyway, so now I'm start to, um, so I, so I started to follow these Trump events and the, when the Access Hollywood tapes came out, October 9th, I think, 2016, I went up to Trump Tower because we thought it was over, right? Yeah. We thought, you know, when those tapes came out, it was over, right? But it was just calculated as, you know, put them in, it put them into office, really. So, and I didn't realize that till I went up to Trump Tower, it was this circus going on. And I asked this woman, I said, <laughs> I said, so what do you think about these tapes? And she goes, give me a break. She said, all men love pussy. <laughs> <laughs> On camera, it was on camera. It's on YouTube. Yeah, and I, 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 I got also not true, so, but yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It's just, he talked to these people, the great ignored. I call them. Yeah. Nobody, nobody has. You know, nobody ever gave them the time of day, and that that was that was the Democrats' problem, and that's who the who would come to the rallies. When I would go to the rallies, these people say there that he's. One woman said, "I take a bullet for Trump." He said, uh, "He's the best president who ever lived. He speaks my language. He says what I'm thinking." Right. Oh, but, so you're an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, you're a narcissist. You yeah. know, I mean, I worked in advertising for 40 years. I work with the best of them, <laughs> the, the malignant narcissist. I, I didn't know what it was at the time, but you know, where they charm you and then they assassinate you, it, it, you yeah. know, but they, t they give you the missing piece in you that you need to fill. Right. So that's, the, that's his genius. That's the genius of the narcissist is that, they fill that hole. If you and I found that a lot, a lot of the people are damaged in some way. Trump's childhood wound, and you know, LB talks about this about reactivating the um, trauma. Forget how she. There's some work done about that. That what he does is he keeps us in constant um, angst that yeah. reactivates some kind of childhood wound right you yeah, had an alcoholic yeah. father or you were abused or sexually abused you know whatever so i found that what, what most of the people that i've interviewed you know when i went to my first trump rally in uh, in minneapolis in october 2018 i think 19 19 and i i told the, uh, i pitched it to now this and i said i want to see the only people between trump and jail <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only thing between Trump and jail. And it was these people. And that's when I realized that that um, what he was doing was he was grooming them, the favorite mm. GOP yeah. word. He had been grooming them since he's, you know, it began. He gave them these hats, right? Gave them these hats and these flags. And something happened to them when they put these hats on, right? And then he tells them, it's like a friar's roast, you know, for like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The uneducated, right? And people who couldn't get into the Friars Club, you know, go to these rallies. So uh, it's all showmanship, right? So anyway, uh, so we get back to, um, uh, so now he gets in, and, and the lie has been, remember how the press was always saying he lies more than anyone? You know, that was all 
you know, they started counting his lies. Yeah, the Washington Post did, sure. Remember that? The Washington Post had thousands of, you know, how many times he'd lied. I mean, please, that was, that's the whole um, creation of Donald Trump. You know, I was friends with a monkey, (laughs) with Peter (laughs) Turek, one of the monkeys. Yeah, you know, he he washed dishes in this club where I used to hang out in, 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 uh, in Southern California. And they created the monkeys, right? They created, they, they were at the beginning, they were studio musicians playing their music. They were after the Beatles, you know? So Trump yeah. was, right? And he was like the Ringo character and it was manufactured. And that's what Mark Burnett did with Donald Trump. Yes. He manufactured him. He wanted to originally, as the rumor goes, do a, a um, show with Putin, a reality right. show with Putin, right? And Putin goes, have I got a guy for you? Yeah, it's just nuts. And not the first time, by the way, in, in the history of the United States, this has happened. I mean, Warren Harding was also manufactured. That, that was really? he ran. He ran in 1920. He was like a I think he was a senator from Ohio and he was like considered really handsome. And he looked like a president in the minds of these mm-hmm. guys mm-hmm. doing the nominating at that time. So they kind of burnished his credentials. And 1920 wow. was the first year that women could vote. And they thought, well. We need a handsome guy who's, you know, this kind of guy that uh, wow. to get the ladies to come to the ballot box. So they basically invented wow. this myth of Warren Harding and he won and he was fucking awful. He wow. was awful. Yeah. You know, the, the other thing that drives me crazy, I'm going to be 78 this year. And I grew up in Hollywood. My parents were in the film business. And um, in Hollywood. It, when I was a little girl, we had these duck and cover drills because Russia was going to drop a bomb on us. Yeah. And Russia was always our enemy, our mortal enemy, the red menace and communism and all the things that they've, they're flipping, they flipped the script on it. And they're the Republicans now. And my mother was a member of the John Birch Society. Oh my God. The yeah. first president I voted for, because you voted your parents in those days in 64, was Barry Goldwater, who looks like, you know, he looks like Obama compared to, <laughs> compared to these yeah. guys. Anyway, yeah. so I, you know, I come from this like kind of Republican background. Um, but Russia was always our enemy. So all of a sudden, Russia is not our enemy anymore. You know, and, and at Trump's first press conference, because they will always tell you what they're doing. They will always telegraph. Right. right? So his first press conference, I, I was insane. It was in Trump Tower after he was elected. It was January um, 11th, I think, of 2017. And he starts off he goes he denies any dealings with russia this video is on youtube nine times in 60 seconds i don't have any dealings with russia i don't have any loans with russia he never said loans again by the way (laughs) because he gave it away but you know and the whole every time you see him at the rally it's russia 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 roger stone on january 5th talked about the russia hoax so the whole thing is flipping the script on what they're actually that they are owned by the Russians, that the whole disinformation campaign, uh, you know, one of the QAnon guys uh, I interviewed told me, I said, how do you get, I always ask him, how do you get into it? And he said, oh, 4chan, 8chan, and Guccifer 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I was like rack focus. I was, what? Yeah. You know? And it all started to, did you ever see Agents of Chaos, uh, Alex yeah, sure. Gibney's amazing yeah. film? 
Yeah. Pretty much what it says, either chaos ages, age, I think it's ages of chaos. chaos yeah. HBO, yeah, it, it really is bears uh, viewing because he lays it all out, you know. It, it, oh, so so on November 9th, 2016, uh, 2020, sorry, 2020, November 9th, Trump lost, but he didn't lose right away. Remember, there was a couple of days after yeah, the Yeah, there was, we knew he was going to lose, but they had to count the votes that had been mailed in and all this stuff, and everybody was sort of waiting. And of course, all you saw on the TV screen was a lot of red because, you know, Montana is this great big state and it's all red. Yeah, and, uh, right, that, right. So it looked like Trump. Yeah. 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 And then so it was uh, I don't know, maybe it was the seventh of uh, all I remember is that I went to D.C. for the big, you know, Biden winning. And it wasn't it, because it was stalled for a couple of days. I couldn't afford to stay there. And I get on the Metroliner and I'm alone on the train. Because mm -hmm. COVID was in full thing, right. I'm wearing like masks and stuff. I'm alone in the car, and they announced that Biden has won. I can't find myself. I was so mad. And then that night, I went to Times Square, and that was pretty amazing. But from from that moment on, the night that he lost, apparently it's reported that Giuliani said, "Just say we won." And it sounds so simplistic. Even they balked at it. Apparently, yeah. Uh, but they did it. They started doing it because it had already been in the works since since they were going to lose in 2016. Right. They had Roger, Roger Stone's infrastructure was already. Yes. In place. They were not starting this from scratch. It's basically like a, a movie pilot that's been um, in turnaround <laughs> that they're just going to resurrect. Because oh, now they found the exact right actor to cast in the leading role. That's what happened. So we got a green light. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, that's such a wonderful metaphor. So uh, they were ready to go, right? And they had the slogans. I spent 40 years in advertising, the slogans, and they are mild, you know. So they had, you know, uh, lock her up, uh, build the wall. And Stop. build the wall yeah. was Roger Stone's line because Trump is too dumb to talk about uh, uh, immigration, right? So right. they would come up with these advertising, these bumper stickers, and then they became chants, you know, and that and that enlists all of his army of the red hats. And so um, so on November 9th, after he lost, he fires everybody in the Pentagon. Yeah. And we all go, what the hell is he doing? Yeah, this this is I just want to stop. And this, this is a critical point critical. because there was the election day. Then the election was called on TV. You were on the train. I was outside of my lungs screaming at the top of my lungs in, in yeah. joy. And yeah. uh, and then dancing to uh, um, head over heels by the Go-Go's with my wife on Twitter. <laughs> and in the in, and, and the next day, he fires all these people and replaces them with different yeah. people. And, and everybody's, everybody's sort of like, wait a minute, what the fuck is what, going on? Here? What is he doing? Right. I mean, it's so we're so clear now. So he fires and he puts uh, gets rid of Esper and Esper is coming out with his, you know, his book and he kind of validates, you know, some of the stuff. But he puts in. I don't know if Flynn's brother was in there already. Was he? I don't know. I think he moved Flynn's brother at that Charles? time. But I don't I don't know. Charles Flynn becomes the commander of the Pacific fleet or something like well, that. Well, I mean, as a reward for what he did on January 6th. I was like the next day, they get, it was like they got the Bin Laden family out on November, on September 11th. They, yeah. Flynn, they get him out of the country and they send him to they head the whole you know, South Pacific. So, uh, on, so, so he fires uh, 
And I didn't realize this till after I started doing my research when I got back in January 6th, when I started, when I realized when I got there, there was no National Guard. Yeah. And the National, you know, I've been, I was in Charlottesville. I was in, you know, at the Kavanaugh hearings, you couldn't get the protests that the Kavanaugh hearings generated. I mean, hundreds and thousands of people were protesting in Washington. You couldn't get within two blocks of the Capitol. There were bomb sniffing dogs that you would get arrested. There were mass arrests on the lawns. They had to, they had to process them on the lawns uh, because uh, there were so many arrests, you know, the people trying to get, uh, you know, and then they finally, they broke to, they got to the doors of the Supreme Court and everybody was arrested. So the fact that the National Guard wasn't called, that was like the only reason, the only reason they were able to pull off January 6th was they got these people there because they had been brainwashed and Fox News and all of their, uh, you know, all, yeah. all of the online shit and Roger Stone, um, uh, Alex Jones, Alex Jones and all these people, you know, and Rush Limbaugh, remember he started, you know, he was, Limbaugh yeah. was one of the, was he was like hammering this. They like, radicalized this all, They radicalized They them. radicalized them. They radicalized them with their red hats and their, fucking flags so uh they fired everybody in the pentagon and they put this guy chris miller in and nobody's talking about him <laughs> right so he's again esper esper for every confused listening esper former defense contractor was the secretary of defense he leaves and is replaced by christopher miller who becomes acting secretary of defense Okay, keep going, yeah. sorry. And, and in Washington, D.C., where I was born during the Great War, 1944, because it's not a state, the, and I did not know this until after I got back, uh, the only person that can call up the National Guard is the President of the United States. And this is when Jefferson, or I forget who, installed them to protect the District of Columbia. Uh, he mandated that they could only be called up by him and then the secretary of defense. Okay. <laughs> so on November 14th, a week later, they have the first rally. And I think it's called the million mega March. Mm -hmm. And it was like the hugest Trump rally I'd ever seen in my life. It was like, the flags and the hats and the election was stolen and Joe Biden's a pedophile and all this QAnon stuff. A lot of QAnon people were there uh, because everybody they hate is a pedophile right. because there are so many Republicans that are pedophiles. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and because they flip the script, everything they say, they're flipping the script on what they're actually doing. So, uh, so I filmed that. And then um, the Proud Boys showed up in huge numbers. And I'd only seen them in uh, like packs of 10 at the most. <laughs> and they, they hang out at this, this bar called Harry's Bar in DC. We all went over there and Enrique was in charge. And, you know, you know it was, it used to be Gavin McGinnis who started them. Right. And they were the male chauvinists, uh, Western male chauvinists, I think is what they call themselves. And uh, they're, they're, I do not apologize for modern civilization. I forget what the, uh, their pledge is. But in those days, they couldn't masturbate. Sign me up! <laughs> oh, it seems, it's also, it, I mean, it's so, again, this is such a, like, through the looking glass kind of thing, because you're, 
You're supposed yeah. to be yeah. this Uberman, this alpha male thing, and your name is the it's Proud Boys, boys, boys which is yeah. which is like not exactly the most you know straight white guy name ever. And then it's taken from a song from Aladdin. Aladdin, that's, right? <laughs> that's what your group is named. <laughs> it's very musical. strange. Like, yeah, and you're gonna yeah. join and this group. And you can't group. masturbate. And you, you're not allowed to, to masturbate. Yeah. And I, I and I when I first heard about it, I said that's like they keep them so mean. You know? Yeah, blow some and steam, man. so Gavin McGinnis was in, in charge and, and I filmed the Proud Boys attack after they left the Republican Club in 2000, in October 13 of 2018, because after uh, Charlottesville, I started becoming fascinated by these, um, you know, when I in Charlottesville, when I first saw a guy in a MAGA hat with a swastika flag, I said, I could, this is something I got to start figuring this out. And I fell in with a group of journalists who'd been onto this right-wing extremism for a long time and it you know there is just an incredible group of wonderful photojournalists and um you know and we kind of go to whatever rallies we can or clan rallies or whatever to you know to follow and document these people because the rise of fascism must be documented right it must be get at your iphone if you see you know they arrested the um uh, patriot front in in idaho Curdling, yeah. And uh, and those guys were in Charlottesville. That guy Russo uh, was in Charlottesville, and I first filmed him marching into town yelling, blood and soil, which I had no idea. I'd never heard that before. Blood and soil, blood and soil. And they, he had a group called uh, Vanguard America, mm. and they had the flag, you know, these flags. So there were white supremacists before I knew what that was and uh they weren't wearing masks <laughs> and then after charlottesville when everybody got doxxed you know then the yeah. next time you see them he changes the name to now their patriot front they're reconstituting they're out there in america and they've been there's like a sleeper cell you know of of these white supremacists that have been activated by donald trump he activated them by you know proud, proud boys, boys stand back, stand yep. back. yeah mm -hmm. and um yeah, I like that sleeper cell because yeah. that's what they are. That's exactly what they are. They were, they were, they were, they were gathered in Charlottesville. They became, started to become radicalized. And, you know, they, I got one of the only interviews with David Duke where there, where he said, we're here to fulfill the promise of Donald Trump. That's why we voted for him. You know? <laughs> so yeah. I started, I'm starting to connect the dots. So, uh, so he gets um, all these people. I'm starting bouncing around. So, uh, so the, the first one was on November 14th and, uh, there was, you know, this whole fuck Antifa thing. It's just, it's mm -hmm. just like a, a war cry. It's not, it's not a real thing. I mean, if well, it's also, saying, if you're saying fuck Antifa, what you're saying is fuck the people who are fighting fascism. So you might as well yes. be saying we are fascists. <gasps> right. We are fascists. That's what the rallying cry is, right? Well, yeah. And I always say, you know, I come from a long line of anti Antifa. My yeah. great grandfather fought in the Civil War against that fucking flag of theirs. You know, he he like lied about his age and fought in the Ohio 111th. You mm -hmm. know, and and mustard out and became an old, lived to be an old man. My uncle dude was shot down by the Nazis in 1942. Never, right. he was one of the first to die. He never. So I'm I'm anti-fascist in the truest sense of the word because yeah. I use my camera to fight fascism. You know, and I have um I have a pin here that I bought at a store in the town where I live, and it has a picture of Eisenhower on it, and it says Dwight oh. D. Eisenhower, Antifa. 
I like that. <laughs> yes, cool. he was. He was my first president. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, was when I was a little girl. He was the first good president. president. I, I like that. Good Ikes, president. Right? <laughs> yeah, I like yeah, it. Right? Okay, before I want to talk more about where where you're going. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Sandy Bacon. Hi, everybody. It's AG from The Daily Beans. Hey, this is Kimberly Johnson, host of the Start Me Up podcast. Hi, it's Frangela from The Final Word and Idiot of the Week podcast. Hi, this is Jody Hamilton of the From the Bunker podcast. Hi, it's Mariah and Steve from, from How, How We, we Win. Win. And we are joining forces to support the How We Win Fund. The midterms are coming, and the best way we can fight back against the Republicans is to support Democrats in key battleground states. Our democracy is under attack, but we don't agonize. We, we organize. organize. Yes, we do. Together, we can protect and expand our Democratic majority this November. We are so close to a Cinna mansion-proof majority in the Senate. Take them out. Join the MSW Media family of podcasts and support the races that need us the most by donating to Swing Left's National Impact Fund. Just one donation goes directly to all of Swing Left's top races. A GOP stoking hate, peddling lies, and suppressing our vote means we need everyone to step up to protect voting rights, civil rights, abortion rights, the environment, constitutional gender equality, the government, our institutions, all the things. Do it. Okay. We beat Trumpism before, and together we will make history again. So go to swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win to donate what you can, share this with your friends and family, and let's show the GOP that the grassroots persistence is here to stay. This, this is how we win. Okay, we're back with Sandy Bacon. <laughs> Uh, okay, so where, where are we? So we're up to November 14th. We're up to November 14th. You're in Washington. You're filming these guys, uh, the Proud Boys mostly. Uh, Enrique Tario, who's, whose name has been in the news a lot this past week. Yeah. As, as they threw Thank the you, book Enrique. At, they threw the book at them. Now, you know, you 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 follow them and film them enough that Enrique oh, Tario knows you. you, you right? us, so, do you have time for a story about yes. it? Yes. Like how I know. You have to shut me up because you know me. I'll just talk for days. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm at... On July, the 4th of July, remember Trump's uh, military tanks, 4th of July? Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't remember. What was, was it the 2019? It was pretty it was late in the term. Yeah, 19, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just before that, we went down to D.C. because there was a free speech rally at Freedom Plaza. And at that rally was Gavin McGinnis. Laura Loomer, Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, all these people that had been deplatformed from Twitter and all social media, right? Yeah. And they were crying about, you know, they've, they've all resurfaced again since Elon Musk is like, you know, talking about buying Twitter because, you know, he, they, they see that maybe they can come back to Twitter. Well, Milo is now working for, for uh, Perjury Taylor Green as an intern, which is just, and the last time I saw Milo, he was dressed as Laura Loomer. At this, he was like a dress and drag. You know? That's the only way he's allowed to do that now. I know. Now, so now I had shot the video that that um, kind of put the Proud Bays on the map as 
as uh, street as street brawlers, you know, as a um, mm -hmm. they, I think in Canada they were named a terrorist group, and the Southern Poverty Law Center put them on the watch list. And so I'm at this thing on the uh, uh, 4th of July, the weekend that Epstein was arrested, by the way. It was a crazy weekend. <laughs> so uh, he's there. There's a bus full of Proudways that he's getting on a bus. And, and I'm standing on the street. I'm shooting them on the street, across the street. And he sees me and he comes across the street and he sticks out his hand with a shit eating grin on his face. He says, Sandy, Enrique Tario. <laughs> I just, I thought I was going to die on the spot, right? Because <laughs> I filmed him in Charlottesville. Nobody knew he was in Charlottesville. I didn't know who he was, but he just happened to show up in a video. Anyway, he was, he was kind of charming to me. And I, he's a very charming guy, by the way. You know, well, you have to be. To, to be a leader of these groups, you have to be charming. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and he loves um, the press. He loves the press. Yeah. Uh, which is the, his biggest mistake of all. <laughs> and he hates women. And now he's going to be for a long time in a place where there's never any women ever. <laughs> he hates women? You he's, think a he hates women? he's a proud boy. No, I, mean, I don't think he hates women. I mean, isn't the whole I point of it, it to be a... No, know, I think that's... Yeah, asshole? I think, yeah, well, a lot of them, but I think... I don't know, maybe he, maybe he hates women. I, I just found him... I shouldn't say this. I just found him extremely charming. So apparently... The feeling was mutual because a friend of mine. Oh, so then I see him marching like after this incident, and now I'm freaking out, you know, because more so from those guys that he was with than him actually. Now they, I was identified, and um, I see him, and I'm marching with him, and they're doing, you know, fucking Antifa, and they're marching down the street. They do a lot of marching. Those the, the Proud Boys do a lot of marching. Yeah, and uh, they actually the the filmmaker in at the hearings mentioned that they just march around a lot, you know, <laughs> they move around a lot and they yell "fuck Antifa." And uh, I see him, and I said, "You know, Enrique, you're a lot more handsome in person than you are." <laughs> <laughs> he starts, you know, I can do this because I'm old, and he started blushing. I, well, apparently, he was interviewed by a friend of mine that night. And he said, you know, I met this woman and uh, I always thought she hated me, but she was so, she smiled and she was so, you know, nice. And, you know, and it was really one of the best things that happened to me that day, meeting her. Wow. You, he, he, you made the, you made the proud boy's day, Sandy. That's what you did. You Isn't made the proud crazy? boy proud. Well, but, you know, my whole thing, and people understand this, is that, you know, when I was, I was injured in Charlottesville and I was helped by the militia were the first people that came to my aid when I was, I broke, I broke my arm. And uh, I really believe Greg, and I, I believe this with all my heart because I grew up in the sixties and, <laughs> and I'm a hippie at heart. I believe that there has to be a way that we can talk to each other. This yeah. is becoming increasingly less possible after, certainly after January 6th, but um if we're all human beings and, and, and the breakthroughs that I've had with the Trump supporters and with, you know, with Enrique and, and with the militia in Charlottesville, where we had this human moment yeah. where it wasn't ideology or, you know, anything, you're not the enemy. I'm not the enemy. We're just human beings. We're laughing together. And, you know, there's this documentary on Carlin and he talks about laughter being this, connection that you and I both participate in, right? We, we have to, in order for me to make you laugh, it's a, 
it's you know we right. there's a, a connection extreme. between it. Yeah. yeah yeah and i'm not saying this right but anyway so i believe that their only salvation is going to be able to but we're so i hate that word polarized but we're so far from that happening now and it's i see it slipping away let's let's lean into that for a second because i think this is interesting i've been thinking about this a lot especially oh, especially in light of the uh, of thursday of, we're recording this i should have said this at the beginning we're recording this on sunday june 12th so by the time you listeners hear it there will be more hearings that we have not seen uh, as we're talking about. Um, yeah. So, but watching the people now, the the Proud Boys uh, or the the people that were that, as you say, the people with the bullhorns, the generals on the ground, the people that planned it. I'm not talking about them, but most of the people that went to the rally that day. I mean, they're there for some reason. They're 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 dissatisfied on some level. They're dissatisfied yeah. with how things are going, and right. you know, they don't like pedophiles. That's clear. And yeah. you know what? There are a lot of them, but their for their anger has been weaponized. It's been perverted in weaponized. such a way that it's not focused in the right direction. And uh -huh. you know, maybe ours is too to some degree. But at the end of the day, as you said, it we're all humans, and probably I would like to think that we all want kind of the same thing, which is you know we we don't want to have want. We don't want people to starve. We don't want people to get sick. We want to have access to healthcare. We want to be safe in our, you know, to be able to go outside yeah. and do what we want. And, and uh, right. you know, we want a rule of law to, to punish people that break the law, um, you know, yes. with good reason and all this stuff. We don't want, I mean, maybe the Proud Boys want discrimination, but I think most people don't. And the, the reason that they want it is because they perceive, um, you know, minority groups as, as interlopers who are stealing something from mm -hmm. them that well, they no they're longer outnumbering. Have. Outnumbering yeah. them. <laughs> Whatever it is, they think that they're going to be, um, you know, denied some fundamental services that they've enjoyed heretofore. And that's probably not what's going to happen. But the idea is, I, you know, people that, that are dissatisfied can be spoken to, I think, in some way. I don't, I don't know how, but, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think you're right. I think there is, you know, there's going to be these fringe numbers. And you look at it, the ratings of, of J6 are the fringe numbers, right? There were, I, the, the first thing that came out, there was about, you know, like say 25 million people watched the thing or 23 million people watched it. 20 million people, uh, I'm sorry, 23 million people watched TV that night either mm. Fox News or the hearing. Three uh, million watch Fox News, which means seven out of eight uh, people want to know the truth and, and, and aren't lost. You know, uh, what one of eight and probably a lot less, you know, the number's probably less than 10%. Maybe they're gone, but 90% of America isn't gone. We're just not. So, right. you know, can we unify the 90% of America in a way that can help us all get through this moment? That's the real... That's well, you want, you want to hear something depressing. I interviewed uh, Nick Fuentes. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> just, yeah. Just to... Just to uh, what is it? He's the groiper guy, right? Yeah, but he's the Christus King guy. Yeah, yeah. And I first met them at that November 14th, and heard of them. A friend of mine told me about the groipers. I don't even know what that means. Uh, but they wear the MAGA hats, and they are, they're... Uh, ex extreme it's like a bannon i don't Bannon's not involved in it i don't think but that really extreme catholicism you know whatever that's called you know the christofascism doesn't really have a name <laughs> it doesn't have right, a name yeah. okay all right well we'll call it christofascism i call i got radical catholicism is what i call it uh, yeah, as, right. a, as a confirmed Catholic, no longer practicing myself. Oh, my God. Well, I was raised a Christian scientist. The alien induction of religions. 
Oh my God. Anyway, keep, anyway, yeah. Anyway, you're, you're so, interviewing so anyway, so the Groypers, so I, so I go up to this group and, and for, on the 14th rally and people are uh, gather around this guy, all these young men, young, pretty much white men in the red hats and the mega hats. And they're yelling 12 more years, 12 more years. Mm. <laughs> and then Fuente speaks and he said, you know, God, and this is my, in my documentary, he says, uh, you know, George Soros isn't the head of this country. And he lists, lists all these people. And he says, uh, Joe Biden's not the head of this country. Jesus Christ is the head of this country. And then they start chanting, Christ is king. And I come up to them right when they start finishing the chant. And I said to one of the guys, I said, were you just saying Christ is king? And he goes, yes. I said, will you do it again? <laughs> and they just... <laughs> And then they just started. It was so strange. So anyway, so Nick Fuentes was uh, because the um, the mega Trump thing after he lost uh, morphed into anti-vax, anti-lockdown, anti-mandate. So the Proud Boys and all the right wing groups and, and the uh, Groypers, Nick Fuentes comes to New York and they start marching for the mandate so they said well you know we know that uh, and they're not saying this but you know we, we know people are getting vaccinated so the anti-vax thing wasn't working out for them so they go well we don't care if you get vaccinated we just don't want you to mandate it right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he says to me that island it, 74 million people voted for trump i don't i don't know what the actual figure was but anyways let's say 74 million and he said, and, and they're not going anywhere. And that has just resonated with me, that those words, that that's what they're counting on, right? And that's yeah. what they're using, and they got used them to get to these rallies. So, so that November 14th, Proud Boys show up in big numbers. And then the next rally was December 12th. And I believe that these rallies were rehearsals, dry runs for January 6th, because they would all in their marching around the city, they all marched out to the Washington Monument and then they marched down the, the march towards the, um, there was always this gesturing towards the Capitol, you mm, know, and okay. they would pray and they'd go out there and they'd take a knee and they'd pray like, I like to say it was like that scene in glory just before they go to war. They're like, you know, they're singing spirituals and they're clapping oh God, and, they're, <laughs> and they're praying as if they're going to war. And that was on the 12th or the 11th, the night of the 11th. And then the 12th, I think that night. And then the, so the next day on the 12th, I don't know, maybe a thousand of them go out to the, the uh, Washington Monument and they take a knee and they pray against this stolen election uh, and that they need to rally their forces for the, what they have to do in the next four years. So they said that on the 12th, right? So the Proud Boys, so this, at the hearings where all of a sudden, you know, you mean the Proud Boys went and they didn't go to the speech? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it, that, that part drove me crazy because I was there on the morning of January 6th at 10 o'clock in the morning and I see the Proud Boys come out. Now, Enrique had been arrested two days before that. And when he was arrested, Mark, Chris Miller, I think that was the date, the 4th of January was a big day. That was the day that Chris Miller sent out a letter 
saying that they had to leave the protesters alone, that they yeah. could, the cops couldn't dress right. And that's an actual letter. That's not like a made up thing. Which the, with the creepiest fucking psycho killer signature I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, like a child crayon yeah. signature, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, Jill Weinbanks did an incredible podcast with this guy. I don't know if you've heard it, but. He was, he was on? Yes. Oh, Chris God. Miller was on this and she was, first of all, I go, what the fuck is she where is she taking him? And there's a young guy who was her podcast partner. And it really bears listening to because the guy was, I think I can say this because I'm sober 35 years. I think he's a, has a little drinking issue and he's so, he was so angry and she really pulled it out of him, but it's worth, it's worth a listen. Jill Weinbanks, who I now got to follow me on Twitter. Right? Oh yeah. She's <laughs> you know? great. Shout out, shout out to Jill. Uh, so, uh, so, so he um, sent this letter out, and I, I saw this after you know all mm-hmm. after it was over. But um, what was striking to me, so so I go, so let's, so now we're up to January sixth, and uh, each each one of these rallies became increasingly more violent. And the night of the twelfth of December, there were four stabbings uh, involving the Proud Boys. Right. Uh, four <laughs> and they were um i found you know i'm a big chicken people everybody thinks i'm so brave but i get in there with a zoom lens and i move far away and i like i shoot what's going on so i got some of that some of that action but my friends are right up at there in front shooting it and there were four stabbings so they're they're building in this rage as a a mass hysteria kind of thing with the maggots right so January 6th was inevitable. It was actually inevitable since Charlottesville, from my feelings. So uh, on that morning, the Proud Boys, uh, so so uh, Enrique was arrested, and then he got out of jail immediately, and he was arrested on some dumb charge. It was a, it was a setup. I think it was a setup to get him out of the picture, and it looks like I was right from the beginning. Yeah. It didn't make any sense. You know, he's not dumb, and he got- There was caught. a lot of speculation about the arrest even at the time yeah. maybe well, he, he was, was on cooperating the phone with a guy he was on the phone with a with a reporter when it happened when he gets pulled over he's like oh i'm getting pulled over it was the whole thing was just and and it was a it was a trumped up forgive the pun charge of a he had a high capacity magazine or something he didn't he was in he was in virginia which is open carry i believe they were staying outside of dc but he, yeah he, it was like a phony thing so i always thought they did it to get him out of the picture because he oh, oh and the, the other thing the night before when i went to uh, uh the rally uh, the freedom rally at, at um with roger stone uh stone lee i follow stone as he arrives across the street he was the willard is across the street from you know where he was staying and um i see him coming over so i run over but it was dark and i couldn't get the video didn't work because it was so dark but he was with the oath keepers were guarding you know his security and mm-hmm. they're huge and one of them pushed me i almost fell over you know i just get out of the way and then the proud boys never did that they never touched you but um i thought it was odd and then then they then after his speech he goes back to the willard and there are these the guys are protecting him and a lot of them why why are they protecting roger stone 
Why was there so much security? And why was it not the Proud Boys, who has always been Roger Stone's security, right? So he gets over there to the, and he does the, you know, the Nixon mm-hmm. victory thing, you know, before he goes in. So I thought that was really strange that where are the Proud Boys? So the next day, so Enrique had told them not to dress as Proud Boys. So they show up, but I know who they are and they, they yeah. do roo-roo, you know, they do their, they say roo-roo. I don't know what that means, but. So they get to the uh, uh, monument and I see them walking up and I start shooting them and all the people that are in my video got indicted. <laughs> there was Joe <laughs> Biggs, there was uh, uh, Pizzola, yeah. who was the guy to breach the first window, you know, all of the, all of the ones and all of the ones for seditious conspiracy, except Enrique of course wasn't there because he was in you know the war room or wherever the right. hell he was <laughs> yeah but he delivered and this is the thing that people are missing and shut me up if you have to the proud boys and the oath keepers are the army they're the militia they didn't come up with this scheme they came up with maybe the organizing of the troops, you know, the lieutenants and the, you know, but the, they're following, they were following orders. Yeah. They were following orders. They didn't come. They're not, sorry, Enrique, you're, they're not that bright. You know, he's, he's more of a street smart guy, but uh, they're smart enough to do what they did, but they're not, they're not a, a tactical. This was a military operation. The yeah. Capitol was breached in 19 minutes, 19 minutes from the first breach at 2.11 when Pozzola broke that window till the around the backside at the east end at 2.30 when the Oath Keepers entered. Because my journalist friends were with, they were at all these places and then they walked going in the Capitol. And I was in front at 2.30 and all of a sudden the guy says, they're in. And everybody screams. Well, I didn't know what that meant. And what that meant was they were in the building because right. the whole purpose of all those people there that day, all day long, they kept saying, move forward, move forward, take it back. It's in 1776. It's now or never was to, they were going to get them to occupy that building. Yeah. And then Trump was going to call an insurrection act. And then they were, he was going to take over the government. That was, I believe. And, and then it turns out that's what the 1776 plan was. But I always knew it because I was there. And why are they getting them to go forward up until four o'clock in the afternoon, nonstop on bullhorns, move forward, move forward. And then it was like slow going because there were so many of them. So I see the Brad boys and I, Trump is supposed to go on at 11 and they were there. They started marching towards the, down the mall to, towards the Capitol at 11, about 10, 15. So I follow them and they're doing their fucking Antifa thing. And there's not that many of them. I don't know. There was maybe 30, 50. I don't know. There's not that many. Of them. There weren't as many of them as you see in all the videos, mm-hmm. but I got about halfway down quarter of the way down with them. And I made this decision. What I do, there's so much about what we do is instinct. Should I go there or should I go there? And my yeah, journalist sure. friends who I'd lost communication with because there was no cell phones that day uh, signal, they had, they had gone early to the Capitol. Those were all of my friends that were inside and all the videos and all the stills you see were uh, for them. <clears throat> but I stupidly or whatever made the decision to go back to the ellipse to hear Trump speak. And he was an hour late. So I 
you know, I kicked myself because I could have gone. Anyway, so they go uh, do what they do. So Trump comes on at two, uh, 12 o'clock. And I believe with all the fiber of my being <laughs> that this was coordinated by them, whoever the generals were, to give the Proud Boys cover when the first breach at the, what they called the peace circle, mm-hmm. which was the first time I heard of that was in the hearings. Yeah. But that was the first barricade breach. And that was uh, uh, my timings and their timings are off by a few minutes, a couple of minutes, but I'm sticking with my time. <laughs> uh, at 12, because my friends were there. My friends were at the breach. It was 1253. And that's when the first barricade breach happened. That's when the National Guard should have been called. Right. They should have been called at 12.53 p.m. And what happened that day, and in my timeline, you can see that that it was requested, urgent request for the National Guard, 14 times. And I have every time where I was and where the request came, I put up on the screen, you know, Mir Bowser requested the National Guard, you know, sunned, Mm -hmm. this guy sunned requested them at least 10 times, right? And every time they requested them, they sent it up the chain of command, which sent it to to the the Secretary of Defense. And that office, Cash Patel was there, remember? Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't even know who all was there. All the sycophants were in there. And they stalled it, they gaslit it, and they denied, they out and out denied. And they have blood on their hands. You know, but nobody's yeah. talking about this. Maybe they're going to get to this place because in the hearings because they they everybody was oh the Proud Boys, <laughs> the Proud Boys. This is like earth shattering. You know, the Proud Boys didn't go to the to the hear Trump speak. They went to the Capitol, right? There must be something else afoot. Well, this was and you know I got something, Greg, on video that I was going through my stuff because I'm working on this film. And it, it's not usable, but it was from the 12th of uh, December. And uh, maybe a thousand Proud Boys are at the uh, Washington Monument. And I'm up on top of Enrique and a guy comes up to him. And I just, it just like four second, five second clip. And he points towards the Capitol and he goes, Enrico goes, yeah, 50 guys. <laughs> And I interpreted that to be 50 guys were going to go to the Capitol and they were going to, you know, now in retrospect, I, you know, the whole thing was planned out. The, you know, the, the looking back on my footage, you know, the, the rallying and they're talking about, you know, the it, Joe Biden's an illegitimate president and that the, the fake news uh, cannot tell you who the president is. It's up to the locals, the states, and the electorates in the state. So they were always planning this electorate thing. And they apparently, by January 6th, they'd already sent some fake electorates in. Do you know about that? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is, it, th- this was a coordinated plan. It had been in place for months, I mean, by that yes. point. So, yeah. um, and I think that the, you know, the committee did a really good job making the case that it was, you know, Trump did this. And also, Trump dragged his feet with the National Guard. I mean, you know, it was Miller's responsibility, but it's also Trump's. If Trump had called Miller and said, send in the guard, the guard would have been. Oh, absolutely. And apparently, apparently even Pence did it. Well, I think and they, at the end of the day, but not till four. After the, well, I think what happened with that is that they, you know, Milley determined that um, oh, basically there was a coup afoot and Trump was 
uh, what's the word? Leadership was decapitated, and therefore Pence was effectively in charge. Uh -huh. Similar, yeah, I think. I, yeah. I made this point on our five H on Friday. Similar to on nine eleven, when Cheney was the one giving the orders for you know planes mm. to be shot down or whatever. It's I'm a, in charge here at the White House. Was yeah, that? yeah. It's, no, um, no, that was somebody else. It was. It was. A, it was. I think a similar thing. So. Um, okay, yeah. I don't want to go. I don't want to go too long, and I want to get to your film. But I just a couple okay. of things, just to, okay. just to sum up. I think a little bit is that first of all, to your point, which we knew and you knew in the moment, the Proud Boys were all there not to hear Trump speak. They were there to do something else. They were part of the operation. They were not part of the crowd. Yeah, right. The crowd yeah, was exactly. just people that they were manipulating. But the Proud Boys were part of the operation, whatever the operation was, which was clearly to penetrate and besiege the Capitol, which they managed to do in 19 minutes, going to windows they knew were, you know, the, the soft parts of the defense mm. of the building, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, there was pipe bombs planted, right? Yeah. We, still, we still haven't heard about that. They didn't even mention it. I don't think they mentioned it. No. Um, no. The one at the DNC was never found. It wasn't found when they swept it after they found the one at the RNC, apparently. Oh, um, yeah. that, that's weird. I, I always thought they weren't supposed to go off because if they were to go off, they were supposed to go off at, at 20 minutes after they found them. It was supposed yeah. to go off at one, which mm -hmm. was, you know, remember why they were there was the certification was to be at one. They were gaveling in, Congress right. was gaveling right. in, and Pence was going to certify the votes, and that's a peaceful transition to power. And uh, so they were found at 1240. But if Trump was late, I, I just think it was all orchestrated as like fear porn. That's just mm -hmm. my opinion. That's why they never found, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Place them. Uh, that if they, if they were to go off when they're supposed to go off, it would have been right when Trump was speaking and it would have ended the whole thing. Any bomb going off would have locked down D.C. Right. But it would also would have driven the police, some of the police away from the Capitol. Right. No, we would have so, locked down the whole fucking yeah. city. You know, they they would have. I don't. Know, I don't. Know. I, I don't. It, it would just. It just didn't make any it, sense. It, it's a thing. It doesn't make sense. It's something that I. I yeah, hope that the committee. Yeah. I hope that the committee, you know, gets to it and 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 explains it more. Yeah. You know, I forgot. I I didn't realize. I think that all the cell phones didn't work. That the cell phones were all. No, jammed. you couldn't get. Yeah. yeah, and that's why they all communicated to. I don't uh, forget the name of the. App. Yeah, they have There's some way of, of doing communication it. app. Yeah, the, because they, you know, if you go to a rock concert, you can't ever get a cell phone. And, and anytime I'm shooting a rally, like with thousands of people, there's no way to communicate. So, and there was such chaos that day. But, yeah, but, uh, but what quick thing. So, at the end of the day, there was a guy uh, that was at 408, I think. And there was a guy that where I was, and I didn't know. They had broken into the Capitol. I didn't know yeah, there was yeah. people had died. I didn't know anything because I was stuck in this one place for five hours, six hours. You know, I, I never kind of moved from uh, moved up towards the scaffolding. And finally, I got in between the scaffolding. But, you know, that was the um, for the inauguration. They were building it. And those pigs, they they ripped the they ripped it apart. They stomped on it. They broke it. They were just interlopers. Yeah, you know, this is and they're, gross. Are, they're such. I'm sorry, they're disgusting pigs. I don't care who hears this. It, it was like it was defiling the seat of democracy. Defiling I mean, one of the, one of these people smeared shit on the wall of the Capitol. Oh, I know. So yeah. Like, let's you know, yeah, they're pigs. They are. Well, they're, you they're... know, the guy, that guy Barnett, who was in, put his feet up in Pelosi's office. He was, yeah. you know, he. 
I'm standing right next to him and I didn't film him. I can hear him ranting. He took a letter, he left something, but he took, brought, he stole something from her office. But this other guy says with a bullhorn, I just happened to turn the corner and there he is. And he goes, um, Mayor Bowser tried to send in the National Guard to clear us out. But the Defense Department said, no, thank you. Mm. And which they did. Now, how yeah. did you know that? How did they know that they weren't going to get shot? How did they know it was safe to do what they were doing? Because my experience during Kavanaugh or any other protests around, you know, Supreme Court or any of that uh, in D.C., where there's thousands of people, you can't, it's in lockdown. You can't get anywhere near it. But they just walked up. When I turned the corner and saw thousands of people crawling up the walls, of the capital of the United States of America. I was, when I was born in 1944, my mother told me, I, she leaned up in bed and she, uh, the hospital bed, and she saw the capital, you know, and my whole life. And when I went to the Women's March and there was a million people there and I looked at the capital, I just wept because I had this history of being born there, yeah. you know? And, and I cried again when I saw what the, I did when I saw what they did to my capital. Was, yeah, it's it's. How did he do? I mean, I know how he did it, but I, it should I, never I just, have gotten as far as it did. And you know, I, I think I said this last time, but the other and the other obvious clue that Trump was the mastermind is that the Secret Service did not remove him. The Secret yes. Service, you know, any other president in that situation, they would they would get him the fuck out of there. You know, but they were like, oh, it's these. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. So what does that tell you? Well, Because like, remember at the rallies that he was like uh, somebody, tried, uh, there was a loud sound or something at a rally and they immediately surround yeah. you like they did when uh, what's his name was shot, Reagan was shot. You yeah. know, they they like in the line of fire, you know, mm -hmm. they completely surround you and uh, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. They were all in on it. And, and, that's what's and terrifying. you know, and, and this is a group of this is a crowd that wanted to kill Mike Pence that were chanting, hang yeah. Mike Pence. They weren't there to as tourists as some of these assholes are now saying, gaslighting us. They're, you know, This was a violent insurrection attempt, an attempted coup on our government. I think they were trying to kill Pence and Pelosi both. And probably- Oh yes, no, because and, Grassley, remember yeah. Grassley said, what is that about? That was weird. Yeah, that's another thing that has to come out. Grassley on January 5th tweeted something to the effect that he was going to be the one that was counting the votes, not Pence. Grassley being the, at the time the president pro tempore, tempore of the oh, Senate. So that's, that's why he was why. Next, in, next in the chain of command. And after him would be Pompeo. And Pompeo's definitely a traitor. Oh, he would have pardoned. I think Trump wanted a pardon too. I think that was part of the equation, but I, you know, we'll, we'll find out all these things, I guess, yeah, I, I, hope. Yeah, yeah, um, I hope. So okay. Too. So uh, now I want to talk about your, your movie because you, um, <laughs> Oh God, I'm so scared. No, you, 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 you have all this great footage. You I were know. there. There are not that many people that were there. You know, one of the things, even like I was in New York city on nine 11 and at the time, pretty much everybody I knew was, you know, my friends were all there. They were all in 9-11. But as I, as I left the yeah. city and as I got farther removed, I realized being there on 9-11, I was in Midtown. I wasn't downtown, but stuff is there. Yeah. It's kind of a too, thing. Yeah. You were yeah. there at one of the I most important- Well, I was also there 9-11. You know, I was I a volunteer at Chelsea Pierce every week. Um, at a critically important moment. I'm like Zelig. Yeah. You know, so um, tell us a little bit about the film, and uh, you, now you're sending it out to, okay. to film festivals. Yes, 
uh, I've never done anything. Uh, I, I don't want to die in obscurity. <laughs> I have such, <laughs> I have such an unbelievable body of work, and uh, like three people know about it, and you're one of them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's at least five. Come on, you at do least it five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm like Zelig. I've been there, you know, or Forrest Gump. i at at these moments in time that in his history with my camera documenting and it began with charlottesville this this kind of quest for this kind of uh, you know i went to a, uh, uh, we went wound up going to a fizzled clan rally in georgia a couple of years ago and we wound up in this bar and uh it was where they had clan meetings and it's where they had a swastika burning the year before that was on the front page of the new york times and um when I looked and there was this huge TV, Fox was on, they were talking about Trump. There was all this pro-Trump stuff on the walls and all this anti-Obama stuff because basically they were pissed off that we had a black president. That's where it started, right? And they never quite got over, they never quite got over losing the war, the civil war, and they never yeah. really never got over a black president. So that was when it kind of congealed for me that, um, and there were a lot of, Confederate flags in January 6th, you know. So um, I was there in, in Charlottesville and that was the beginning. That was my indoctrination into this world of, you know, of connecting the dots with, you know, this guy um, uh, Russo from Patriot Front that was, because uh, Patriot Front is starting to show up. They were at the, I filmed them at the uh, March for Life. Now they're showing it up all these right-wing uh, mm -hmm. events. And uh uh, in Charlottesville, they marched into town chanting blood and soil, and they were Vanguard America. And then they changed their name. They wear masks now because they all got doxxed in Charlottesville. And uh, so I was there. And then I was there at the when the Proud Boys had their street brawl. And I just happened to be there because I started following. I heard the Proud Boys were going to be speaking at the uh, that uh, Gavin McGinnis was going to be speaking at the Republican Club. So I just went there and I shot my kid i thought out everybody going in and coming out and then they leave and then we followed them and then there was this horrible street brawl and i get my shaky camera but you know it was all of a sudden that kind of put them on the map and then i wound up going to the rallies and then i was there on january 6th so <laughs> what's next but i feel our job is to document this for history and when i shoot it's not to be grandiose about it, but I'm old, you know, I'm pushing 80. <laughs> and as long as I can keep doing it, I look, I think of what I shoot as of historic nature of when you look at the rise of fascism in Nazi Germany and what was going on. I interview Holocaust survivors for years. Yeah. And what they describe is what we're experiencing. I said, they say, first of all, and Timothy Snyder is so brilliant. You know, I, I filmed him when he talked about, uh, his book at the uh, Museum of Jewish History years ago. And he said, you know, the first thing to change is the language, right? So Trump comes out and he goes, all Mexicans are rapists. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And ban all Muslims. And, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, that's what they did with the Jews in Nazi Germany. Right. It's exactly what they did. So the language changes and then, you know, there are all these haunts. So I, I'm here to document uh, and I, you know, I put my stuff up on Getty, which is great. So it's like archivally always there. So I, so I realized that I'm sitting on something that really needs to be 
put out there, put into festivals. So um, Steven Spielberg, I met Steven Spielberg once. He sent me a fan letter so he can see that I'm still alive. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's just an ego thing. It's, it's actually personal. You know, in our lives, you've got to write. I've actually written three books. <laughs> when you do some kind of push yourself creatively um, to a very uncomfortable place, which is what this has been for me. Sure. To do it alone, to do it alone is really horrible. It's like, uh, it's just really one of the hardest things I ever did. And I finally showed it to somebody who's a producer who, you know, says it's going to be great, just needs this, this, and this. But basically the footage is there. It just needs to have a narrative to, to it. So I'm doing that. I'm going to enter it into film festivals. I have a, a working title of True Believers because that's what they are. That's, that's, that's how he got them there. They believe, you know, I once heard that um, extremists, I don't care what you're in, if you're PETA or what the hell, you yeah. know, religious, <laughs> mm-hmm. they believe what they do to the exclusion of all else. And I learned that line before I got involved in this fight, uh, that uh, they believe that, and, and that's the Trump people. They believe what they believe. And you can give them all the evidence in the world and they will they'll say no. Because, you know, the big lie, uh, the actual big lie is that if the lie is big enough and repeated often enough, uh, it's believed. But after it's proved to be a lie, people think, well, it must have been some truth in it or they wouldn't have said it in the first place. Right. right? So that's where that's where the hearings are not going to go anywhere with the Trump supporters or with the Fox people because they already are certain. It's a cult of certainty, right? But I I I think that that's actually a very small minority of the U.S. population. I really do. I, I feel so. like I feel like there's a vast middle that has no idea what's going on, and this is opening their eyes. I mean, I've seen it in my own life, in my own circles, and hopefully it will continue. Um, I hope so too. I like the title True Believers. What you need to do is you need to get like the Trump Pence thing, you know, the blue where it says Trump and just take yeah. the T-R-U and then make it say <laughs> true and then believers underneath. So make it look Ooh, like- Oh, that's Trump. nice. I need yeah. a subtitle, Greg. I need it. You know, I it's like, it's really like the army of, you know, red hats. It's like how he did it was he gave them these hats and that something yeah. happens to them at these rallies when they put these hats on. It's like when I got up to the uh, scaffolding, there were two guys with tin foil hats. On. There was yeah, I saw your picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I said, "Are those tin foil hats?" And they go, "Yeah." You know, it was like it wasn't like it was it wasn't a joke. You know, that's a uh, Alex yeah. Jones thing. You know, but uh, thank no, you. No, but the I hats think- the hats have the you know they're identifiers and they and they put them into this yeah. tribe. It's very tribal. It's very a tribe. You, know, tribe, you see yeah. it. You, it's yeah. grounded in sports. I mean, sports teams do that. You have the, oh, you're the jersey so and you have the hat, you have the this, you have the that. Oh, and this fan base yeah. hates that fan base. And the Celtics oh fans, God, you know, say it. fuck Draymond and then Draymond gets mad. And, it, oh, you know, so but good. in sports, you know, I'm, I'm a big sports. I'm a big watcher of sports. I enjoy it uh-huh. because it, it's a way of channeling emotional energy into something that's essentially harmless most of the time. Um, I remember most of the I, time, I, yeah. it was the, what was the, was it the Mets that blew the lead a couple of years ago or the Cubs or no, maybe it was Boston and they had a big lead. The Red Sox did. And they just 
you know, over the last month of the season, they, they frittered it away and they wound up not getting into the playoffs. It was this horrible thing yeah. to have followed it. And I remember reading a study that said that the, um, the, the emotions that you feel as a fan are the same as the emotions you would feel for any loss. Like the emotional effect is the same, but there's wow. no, but there's no damage. You know, just a, it's just a fucking yeah, baseball right. season. Who cares? Right. And, but it isn't, right. it isn't, it isn't. So, you know, they're taking Trump's drawing on like, Trump used to be an owner of the USFL, uh, you right. know, the, the, the Jersey generals, which uh, Herschel Walker played for. So Trump's known Herschel Walker. He never Walker got over. Before. He tried to buy an NFL team. I yeah, think they, they never the, got the over. Bills, yeah. yeah. Maybe they should have yeah. let him. And then uh, ironically, <laughs> the bills told Trump to fuck off and are now the, probably the best team in the NFL. There's a lesson. Ah, yeah. But, but there I, is, think I love that sports tribe yeah, thing. With, yeah, with the hats yeah. and the whole thing. It's it's very cultivated. So I'll, I'll, I'll work on the, the subtitle, but- um, Oh, thank you, yeah. please. Yeah, because yeah. I need something um, sexy, you know. You for know the, uh, but I think True Believers is, uh, is, it really encompasses my experience of talking to them is that all of them there, they believed uh, that they were there and that, and this will continue that they will always believe. And I guess the people in Congress believe it, that they were saving democracy. Yeah. Yeah. They believe that there was, that they, that's the only thing that makes any sense that, you know, Giuliani and I don't know what, I don't know. I, I think they've incorporated it in. It's all they got yeah, right now. I, it's, I don't know yeah. what Giuliani is his own special camp of, of, you know, whatever, uh, that guy's been you know his father got got arrested and served time in sing sing in 1938 for no, sticking up a milkman right sir no i didn't know that oh you're yeah, the best trivia person oh my god stuck up a milkman no, know that yeah <laughs> sing sing for sticking up the milkman see now that's a great it's like jared kushner's dad is that all these people who are damaged because of some childhood wound yeah. Uh, are are drawn to I'm a recovering alcoholic, right? I'm sober 36 years coming up. And uh, I wrote an article early on called the uh, Trump's fatal disease before he was president or the right when he was elected. And he comes from an alcoholic family. His brother died of alcoholism, right? Yeah. which is why he allegedly doesn't drink. I mean, I think he's a drug addict and he's certainly a power addict. You know, he's like just he's such a mess. But uh, I think that people are drawn to these charismatic, you know, most of these charismatic guys are drug addicts like Jim Jones and, you know, they're, and they, uh, they get people who are um, damaged. And then, then he, he fills this wound. He fills this missing piece of the puzzle for them, you know, with the alcoholic father or the abusive mother, you know, <laughs> and uh, he says, I alone can fix it. Mm -hmm. He tells them, he tells them, and I, this is part of the film. He says, you know, he, he, he told them that, um, uh, the, the, the country was broken and that he alone could fix it. And then he wore the same suit every day yeah. and he gave him these hats and he gave him these flags. And then it became this, um, I mean, he wore the same. He wears the same suit every day. He it's an aesthetic. Fucking... It's an aesthetic. You know, it is. It's it's, you know, his the or the colors, the orange hair, the yeah. orange skin, the red tie, the, the blue red, white, suit, blue. The red hat. Like it, you know, it's all very calculated. Fake, fake Christianity and fake patriotism. Yeah. But that, I was raised a Christian. Uh, you were raised a Christian. That's not any nothing like what they taught me in Sunday school. No. The antithesis. 
it's fake Christian. It's fake uh, patriotism. As as Samuel Johnson once said, patriotism is the last refuge of the scoundrel. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, who was it? What was it? Uh, Sinclair Lewis? Did Sinclair Lewis actually say the thing about when fascism comes, it will be you know Cloaked wrapped in, in a, a flag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cross yeah. Or something, some, you know? yeah. Yeah, he was right about that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> these guys were. I very so much... enjoy talking to you, Greg. I have to tell I, you, I'm. Really... Thank you so much. Me too. Like, likewise, I'm. Like, thank you for coming on. I've been trying to get you for a couple weeks now, and I think it. But I think this timed out perfectly because I'm. You know, it's right after the hearing. I wanted to. I wanted to yeah. get your thoughts on that. So, thank people, you. I, I, I hope everyone who is listening to this and is on Twitter follows you. If they're not, it's at thank Sandy. You. It's S A N D I Bacham B A C H like Bach O M. Um, follow you. her Thank on the you. Twitter. Um, you have, what do you have a Patreon? Is that how we can support your work? No, I have a, a PayPal. You have a PayPal. So if and you can- people have been, I can't tell you, I mean, I don't, I don't think it sounds egotistical, but I get sometimes a big donation, sometimes a small donation. Each is as important to me. And they thank me for what I'm doing for democracy. So, I mean, over and over again, and I and I go, oh, that's not me. You can't be talking about me. But I can do it because I have a camera. You can do it. You can go when the Patriot Fred is being arrested in Coeur d'Alene, and you can go there with your iPhone and hold it sideways, and you too can become a citizen journalist. That's how I started Occupy Wall Street as a citizen journalist, you know. And we need all of us to do this. We do, you know, there's always that thing like, what would you do if you were in Germany in the 1930s? This is that yes. moment. Right now we are yes. living that moment. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And, they, and, and then people used to say, oh no, it's not that serious. Well, I want to tell you something. You know, the, the filmmaker, uh, uh, Nick Quested, who was at the, spoke at the hearings. Yeah. He said, you were, if there was any, and he, he saw the violence. I didn't see the violence at all till I got home. But I mean, I saw anger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, rage and screaming all day it was horrible and uh but he said i'm here to tell you i experienced it and it was you know all my journalist friends have ptsd the ones that went inside the ones that were at the barricades where they were like beating the cops one friend shot the crushing of the guy in the tunnel you know everybody's like as uh i don't know how you could be a young person and, and experience that without being touched by it in some way you know, it's or like these kids in the school shootings. It just breaks my heart that we're being traumatized as a nation because of this man. Yeah. This man is traumatizing all of us. And LB, you have to ask LB about this, this thing that she posted about the re, re-traumatizing, that all of these things are re-traumatizing. There's some work that was done about this that, yeah. you know, so we're all have PTSD from just the past five years. <laughs> yeah, we do. No, it's and and you know this is weird stuff. We're not used to living like this in this country. So it's it's uncharted territory. Yeah. It's scary. It's America. And uh, you know, hopefully everybody will wake up and we'll you know get some get yeah. some resolution on this. I think that the committee needs to tell the truth. The truth needs to when it comes out needs to um, get through to people who are on the sidelines and have been on the sidelines for a long time. And, and hopefully, you know, um, Mr. Merrick Garland there will uh, do his thing. And this will, this will just be sort of a preamble to what needs to follow, which is mass indictments and arrests. And, and, 
um, honestly, I know there's a lot of disappointment with him and the pace and the urgency and um, the silence. No, he's moving the speed of law. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, it sure does look like that's what they're doing. I mean, they're arresting. It's not like they're not arresting anybody. They are. They're, they're going up the food chain. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see what, what, what comes out of it. I hope that, uh, you know, it, it resolves itself in, in the way that it should. But yeah. In the meantime, gonna hope watch I love and to hope. See and, it. Yeah. yeah, me too. <laughs> gonna, gonna watch, gonna hope, gonna not give up hope, gonna not stop fighting for uh yeah. for democracy. So Sandy, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for everything that you do. I think thank when you. people when people send you money and they say thank you for uh you know what you do for democracy, they're right. You are you're you're an important piece in oh. this, and we all have to do our part. Bless you've, your heart. you've gone you've gone above and beyond and um thank you. You know, I'm grateful for you and for and for your work and I'm I'm so glad you're on the show and oh, you know, thank you, Greg. consented to hang out with me to on this. On this <laughs> um, oh my God. Thank you. I'm so touched. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's just, it's really humbling. I mean, you know, I used to be a big deal in advertising and you know, I didn't return your calls. You know, I was like senior <laughs> vice president, you know, <laughs> and sometimes we had to be knocked down a few pegs. To <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Now you're, you're, you're doing your penance for the advertising years, maybe. I'm, no, totally. Just... <laughs> yeah. But I recognize these guys, you know, I mean, I produced a commercial for Trump casinos in 1986. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Greg. Right. Thank you. Thank you. The Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fassa. Sophia Tereshenko provided the Russian introduction. Voice talent is provided by Tally Briggs, Sigmundella, Stephanie St. John, Brett Petticord, Ryan Byrne at History Falls Apart, and me. Thanks to Allison Gill, Molly Hawkey, Kanai Williams, and everyone else at MSW Media. Please subscribe to The Prevail website with updates every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Your $5 monthly subscription funds the site and the podcast. Visit gregoliar.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Don't forget to tip your server. Until next time, we shall prevail. MSW.